Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. When we talk about what's great and what's not so great about New Orleans, it's very common to hear New Orleanians say, everything's great except for crime and education. What they mean is our crime rate is too high and our education standards are too low. There are many theories about how to decrease crime, but there's generally only one definition of improving education, getting more kids to graduate and with higher grades. Achieving those educational goals is not quite as simple as it might sound. What goes on in the classroom is just the tip of the iceberg for education. Behind the scenes in New Orleans, there is an impressive collection of education entrepreneurs, people who are rethinking how we educate future generations in New Orleans and beyond. One of the most notable of these entrepreneurial education enterprises is called Whetstone. Whetstone is an organizational system for teachers and schools. It's a platform that works on a portable device or computer and allows teachers and administrators to save an enormous amount of time by eliminating paperwork, increasing efficiency, and improving teaching standards. Whetstone started out here in New Orleans in 2011. By 2014, it was in 30 schools. That's when the founders of the company had the good sense to hire Libby Fisher as its CEO. Libby has grown Whetstone into a company with $2 million in annual revenue, 16 full-time employees, and she spread the Whetstone system to 25 states and over 1,000 schools. Libby, it's always a pleasure to see you. Welcome back to Out to Lunch. Great to be here, Peter. Another fascinating educational entrepreneur company was born in New Orleans in 2011, and it's called 4.0 Schools. 4.0 Schools is a community-based, education-centric business incubator. If you're involved in education, you might be a teacher or even a student, and you have an idea for how something might be improved. You can take your germ of an idea to 4.0 Schools, and people who know how to grow ideas into viable businesses will work with you and do just that. They'll even make an investment in you and your idea with actual cash. In early 2019, Hassan Hassan stepped up from the position of Chief Operating Officer at 4.0 Schools to become the company's CEO. Hassan, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. Libby, you were first on Out to Lunch back in 2015. We had you on because you were doing something that was pretty groundbreaking and you were doing pretty well. We had you back in 2017 because you'd grown the company to reach an impressive 11,000 teachers. Today, Whetstone is used by over 30,000 teachers. It's in 26 states and six countries, including Australia, South Africa, Thailand, and, and Singapore. At the end of Out to Lunch, I sometimes ask the question, where do you see the company in the next three to five years? But in your case, it's a fitting question to start with. Can you keep growing Whetstone at this pace, or are you going to reach a critical inflection point where you're going to have to bust out and go really big or get bought? Well, Peter, you just asked the question that I ask myself daily. 
Um, I heard you. In terms of figuring out where we're going, I think um, there are a lot of different scenarios that I, my leadership team, and my board talk about. And the biggest thing we're thinking about right now is how we accelerate organic growth. Um, Because we, being a bootstrapped company, we're not beholden to any investors right now. So we can build products that we believe in, the things that our clients tell us to build that we're hearing from the market. Um, that they want versus chasing down certain metrics that an investor might require. Um, We really like that freedom and the flexibility to get to run the company the way we want to run it. Um, And so we are looking at different ways to accelerate our growth um, still in a bootstrap manner. And so um, this year we're releasing some new features around video. It's a huge trend we've seen in the market over the past few years. We've been beta testing um, some features using video and a really common high impact thing we're seeing schools doing is a teacher will take video of their classroom and either review it themselves to self-reflect on where they can improve or share it with a peer and sort of a peer-to-peer feedback uh, loop there and often sharing it with an instructional coach or the principal, whoever's giving them feedback um, in the school that might be an, an expert in English language arts or math, they'll sit together, watch watch the video of instruction and together identify what's the highest leverage thing the teacher can change in their instruction to move the needle. And since I first came on in 2015, Whetstone was really used by, I would say, the the most cutting edge innovative schools in the U.S. Um, Obviously not all of them. There are innovative schools that aren't on Whetstone. I, I understand that. But those that were doing instructional coaching back then were kind of um, not the norm. Now there's an instructional coaching wave that sort of crossed the country and instructional coaching, just the art of practice of being in classrooms and giving feedback is really common in every school. And what we're seeing those original schools or early adopters doing is using video to make those instructional conversations stronger. And so in terms of our product building and the direction we're going and our vision is to take our cues from our highest performing schools because they're sort of determining where the market's going. Hassan, 4.0 schools relies on people showing up with great ideas that you can invest in. The two elements of the business seem like they could both be equally problematic. On the one hand, you're dependent on a supply of people showing up with original and innovative ideas. And on the other side, you're dependent on a supply of investors wanting to invest in them. Is there a steady stream of great ideas and is there a steady stream of investors? Yeah, it's a great question, Peter. Um, you know, I'll, I'll first start actually by talking about the talent um, that we work with. Um, you know, you mentioned um, our goal is to work with folks uh, who have great ideas. And the truth is, being such an early investor, in fact, we often see ourselves being the first investor in people, the idea isn't that great yet. <laughs> and that's <laughs> by design. Um, most of the folks that we work with haven't quit their job yet. They don't even, um, they don't, they don't even self-identify as entrepreneurs yet. And our goal is really to develop great entrepreneurs instead of to pick great entrepreneurs. Um, So that's really the value that we um, see ourselves providing is to to work with amazing people. There's no shortage of talented people who have amazing lived experience, amazing technical expertise to redesign what the future of school could look like. And what they might need are resources like coaching, like curriculum, like cash, as you mentioned, that really provides them with mindset, skills, permission to innovate. So that's what we focus on. Um, And when we see it that way, there's a huge abundance of uh, people who can participate in that process. And Asan, the one thing that grabbed me right off the 
begin right at the start is that you are doing things a little bit differently than you would think of as a venture capital group. You um, you supply cash, you supply coaching, and you take a lot of um, a lot of small bets. And I guess that spreads the risk out. I guess right. Yeah, so one of my favorite metaphors to think about is um, video uh, and movies. So we always talk about um, YouTube versus Hollywood. Um, so in Hollywood, the kind of the, the dominant narrative is you take a few, um, you know, really big bets um, on the same studio. You know, the same studios are the ones taking it, and the goal is to produce these amazing blockbusters. Uh, but while YouTube, on the other hand, you have so many different um, creators. You take a lot of bets. They're really small. You know, a lot of the um, creators have a small fan base, but they're a true fan base that are really, really um, committed to the content that is provided by that creator. And that's really how we see our work. We are so early where our goal is to really make like democratize access to entrepreneurship. Um, so again, you know, when, when I'm in, on, a, uh, on a, an Uber or when I'm in a Lyft, what I usually describe what I do as just being the first investor to take you seriously, the first investor to say yes when you have an idea for a new school or for a new learning program or a new tool like Whetstone. Now, Libby, um, one of the things that, that kind of gets me about your company as I'm explaining it to people is that it seems like it's too different companies in a way. It's the software and then the coaching. Is that a good way to think about it? Or? So we are actually just the software. The, our users, our end users, our core client or buyer is going to be a school principal or instructional coach. They are the ones doing the coaching. Um, one thing that set us apart from a lot of our competitors in the beginning is that we are agnostic about coaching processes. And this is a very niche world we live in, um, so the rest of the world probably doesn't know this, but there are a lot of different philosophies on how to do instructional coaching in schools. And so some large tech companies made bets, like Hassan was saying, on the Danielson model, for example, or the Marzano model, and they locked themselves into those two specific ways of doing coaching and built really rigid software that only follows those models. Because we got our start in New Orleans, post-Katrina, when there were a lot of charters, everyone was doing coaching differently here. So we had to build Whetstone to be really flexible and agnostic to essentially say, you can put your process in Whetstone and Whetstone will wrap around it. Whatever you, whatever coaching you've designed to meet the unique needs of your schools, you can do that in Whetstone. We're not gonna tell you how. So we are experts in instructional coaching and we like to enable the work of coaches, is how I like to say it. And Asan, uh, these people that invest, is it like angel money or do you guys end up taking a piece of these ideas? Yeah, that's a great question. So we don't take any um, um, equity from the entrepreneurs that we invest in. We are a nonprofit. A lot of the, the vast majority of the organizations that we invest in, they're not even organizations actually at the time that we invest in, uh, but they end up basically becoming public schools or uh, nonprofit. So the model wouldn't just wouldn't work for us. So the way we think about it is we're an intermediary, kind of similar to, um, you know, um, th thinking of ourselves really as a philanthropic um, early stage investor. So large foundation. Uh, provide us with capital um, and our goal is to basically invest that um, and be able to produce the impact um, that we um, commit to to our funders. Are you getting better at picking the ones that work? In one of my Uber rides, um, one of the drivers asked me this question. Um, so we, we work with 150, we make 150 investments a year and she asked why do we need 150 new schools um, every year? And I thought that was a really good question. Um, for us it's really not about the ventures first. It's about developing
representing the leaders. So, you know, um, every year um, 150 people come into 4.0 and really participate in this world-class experience, um, be, really being an, an entrepreneurial school. Um, I was one of those people. I did both fellowships um, of 4.0. So you had an idea. I did have an idea. How'd it go? It, was, uh, it doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> but I took everything that I've learned from that experience and actually had another idea with 4.0 and now um, and then ended up joining the team full-time. Um, Libby is also an alum of 4.0. You've had folks like um, uh, Aaron Fruman from Uncommon uh, Construction and Floor Serena from Electric Girls. Um, oh, so there's a... A lot of our guests, actually. It's very cool. Absolutely. So there's definitely a subset that goes on to launch um, full ventures, but we see our work first and foremost to develop amazing entrepreneurial thinkers who can also take everything that they've learned, even if the venture fails, to their role as a teacher, to their role as a principal, to their, to their role as a parent. And Libby, when you say bootstrap, um, who owns Whetstone? There's a mix of us. Um, I was not the founder, so that's something unique in Whetstone's story and as a, a tech company, that Whetstone was founded by Ron Gubitz, um, Andrew Cox, and Eric Sealing. So three guys down here, all TFA alums as well, uh, working in schools. So Ron was the guy with the problem, so using my 4.0 brain here. So Ron was a school principal doing a ton of observation feedback, and it, he's a paper and pencil kind of guy. It was a mess. So Ron is great at giving feedback, great at coaching people, great at leading people, bad at organization. So um, he went to Andrew, who was the IT guy at the school, and said, Andrew, I need help. Can you write a software program to do this? Andrew wrote the software program, and Eric, the business guy at the school, was like, we've got a business here. And so the three of them incorporated the company. Um, at some point decided they wanted to be school leaders and not business leaders. Brought in the first CEO, Eric Lavin, who then brought me in, um, and within six months, um, I was uh, the head of the company. And so, <laughs> <laughs> it, that's a, that's another lunch. We can tell that, that story. Is, uh... um, but we, so there's a mix of ownership between um, the the five of us and a few other folks. And we've also given our employees, since we are a small business, our first employees took a chance on us as much as as we took on them. Um, And so um, we have equity, um, we've granted shares to um, members of our team uh, as they they more than deserve it. It, it, To call it a thank you would be, I think, a little patronizing. Um, they, They absolutely deserve it. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Libby Fisher from Whetstone and Asan Asan from 4.0 Schools. We'll be right back after this very brief break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Libby Fisher from Whetstone, an increasingly popular administrative platform for schools and teachers, and Hassan Hassan from 4.0 Schools, an education innovation incubator. Libby and Hassan, this is the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. You've got to the end of the day, and you're about to unplug and try and relax when your phone rings, and yes, it's your brother-in-law. He usually only calls when he's looking for someone to go get boiled crabs with, but this time, it's different. This time, he's calling you about business. Libby, your brother-in-law says he has an interesting proposition for you. You might remember his neighbor, Johnny. Well, believe it or not, Johnny won the lottery, $23 million. Now it turns out Johnny's a smart guy. He's put 13 million into real estate and savings, so he's safe. The remaining 10 million he wants to invest in, guess what? 
you. He says you've proved you can take a small idea and grow a big business, and he wants to give you $10 million to start up a new business. You can do whatever you want with it. What do you tell your brother-in-law? Are you interested in taking a meeting with Johnny? I would... I would take a meeting, but I would come with a lot of questions. This is how I, I've, I've approached things that I'm pretty sure I don't want to do, and I, I kind of test where somebody is to see if we're values aligned. So I would ask him why he wants to invest in me, what specifically about education technology. I know I can do whatever I want, but um, I think what about education, because that's where I see my future. Um, and in that cranium, in, you've got a lot of other ideas, right? course, but I'm yeah. not going to say them on the air, Peter. Oh, no, not on the air, but I'm saying that's why you're going to take the meeting with Johnny. Yeah, there's a, yeah. There's a... I'll take the meeting. I mean, I'll take the meeting. I'll let Johnny take me to lunch. Um, and if we're values <laughs> He's aligned... He's got $23 million. He should pay for lunch. Yeah, he should pay. Um, <laughs> it all comes down to values alignment, and this was a big thing that 4.0 focuses on as well, um, that we have a pretty rigorous hiring process. So what I'm thinking through right now is I would just ask him all of the values questions that we ask folks that are going to join our team to kind of, that's the, the gate to see if they're going to get past that if, um, if they can work with us. Because most of the time at Whetstone, it's a really pleasant working environment, but at any company, sometimes things get busy, sometimes things get hairy, and you want to have people that are good to work with in the bad times as well. And I think I would look for the same for my investors. Hassan, your brother-in-law has a great idea for you. It's like 4.0 schools, except it's one better. It's called 5.0 schools. I love it. Already. I love it. <laughs> He's calling it that because there are five cards in a hand of poker. There are a lot of people who would love to learn to play competitive poker, but there's no school for gamblers in New Orleans. Your brother-in-law says 5.0 schools for gamblers would be popular with tourists and locals. And long-term, he bets Harris Casino will either fund it or buy it and shut it down. All your brother-in-law needs is a few thousand bucks to set it up. What do you tell him? Is he on to a halfway good idea here? So first, I'll just affirm Johnny for his um, creativity, for his oh, innovation. Oh, you can see this is what you do for a living, right? Because <laughs> I think, you know, I think it's amazing. It's, it's a very vulnerable thing to be able to share an idea. So thank you, Johnny, for reaching out. And now we'll just ask a couple follow-up questions. Uh, the first question we always ask is just like, why do you want to start this venture? And why, do you, why are you the right person um, to start that? So we'll start there. Um, like Libby, I'll probably ask Johnny. Uh, I'll pay for lunch. Um, and we'll just go on for um, um, to understand more about why um, he believes that's a, that's a good idea. That's great. And if it's a bad idea, you do like you do in your in your work, right? Kind of be kind and And again, most on. ideas are, are bad at the very beginning. So we'll start there and then we'll build on it. Libby, I would think that this teacher evaluation has a number of really important parts. One would be that uh, turnover in teachers, I guess, is pretty high. And this would, if you could show them where they were going wrong, I guess you could keep them longer, right? That's, the, that's one of the ideas. So I like to clarify that Whetstone can manage both evaluation and instructional coaching. Um, and we like to really focus on the instructional coaching because that's what's happening every day. Teacher evaluation is once a year. But it costs, I just read a study on this, it costs about $20,000 to replace a new teacher. Um, that's time spent hiring, um, interviewing, the, the entire process, flying people down, bringing candidates in. And um, it's a far better investment to spend time with your teachers, coach them, help them feel and understand 
where they can improve professionally and then give them the guidance to improve. Because I think most people, not everybody, but as long as you're growing in your work and you have a relatively pleasant work environment, you're going to see a future there. And why I was interested in joining Wetson and I'm passionate about the work is when I was a teacher, I never received instructional feedback. And like most time, like at the university, yeah. we get it at the end, you've got student evaluations. And I mean, just frankly, it's kind of too late, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I, um, my, I never received any instructional coaching. It's a brand new teacher in the middle of Mississippi. I don't know anything. Um, I felt like a failure every day. And it made it really hard for me to see a future as a teacher because it didn't seem like a career that was going to work for me. It was really hard. And so I would get my end of year evaluation every year. And actually, Peter, you'll appreciate this. My evaluation showed up in paper form in my mailbox. My principal said, fill it out. and Evaluate uh, yourself. Evaluate yourself. And um, I think one of, one of my fellow teachers said, don't be an idiot. Give yourself all fives. Um, I didn't. All fours. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to be an idiot, but I couldn't say I was all no, fives. Right. Um, and so even the evaluation was even less useful because I learned nothing about it. So it's exactly that. It's too late at the end of the school year. Um, with our platform, we try to make it easy um, to pull analytics and see what teachers are struggling with at any given time, middle of the week, end of the month, so that a principal can say, okay, I've got these 10 teachers really struggling with writing strong lesson plans. I'm gonna just plan an after-school session or a PD session, professional development, focusing on lesson plans with these 10 teachers. And the other 10 teachers that need help somewhere else, they can learn that other skill. So we're trying to change up the paradigm of PD in schools from being sit and get, where you have someone talking at you, it's not specific to your needs, to being really personalized to what those specific teachers in that specific room need that day. You know what's gonna be funny is now that you're introducing video, people get really intimidated seeing themselves. We do mock interviews and they don't think they look like that. They don't think they sound like that. This is going to be great. This, uh, and, and Asan, I, I really did this backwards because I was asking for a failure and you volunteered yourself, which I wasn't expecting. What about some knockout ideas? Have you had somebody come in and you think, this is it? Wow, that's a, it's a tough question to answer. Um, exactly because, you know, part of our role um, is to show that there are so many different um, pathways to success and that success looks so different um, depending on the venture that you're working on. So for example, you know, there are amazing um, schools here in the city that are alums of uh, 4.0. Um, everywhere from um, Rooted School to Noble Minds um, to Bricolage and also private schools like Nola Micro and Dad School that just started. Um, but as we heard from Libby, you know, success isn't necessarily that you launch an edtech venture that is venture-backed, that produces a 10x or a 100x return. And in, in fact, you know, as investors, if we're not careful, we could really reinforce that narrative um, and make it even less accessible for the next person to raise their hand and say that they want to um, launch the next venture. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm not a parent, but I would think about it as, you know, it, it's hard to pick uh, one venture because all of them um, have really created their own definitions of what's success. Help me out on this. You, what's an average amount of a grant you would give? Yeah, so the largest grant that we give um, can go up to $10,000. And really, you know, when it comes down to the other um, resources that we provide, the coaching, the curriculum, the community, um, the funding really 
yes, it provides that financial security, but more than anything, it just provides that permission and that affirmation that you know you're. This is the first person, the first institutional funder to believe in you. Um, so that's you know the, the amount is actually not as important because again, a lot of the folks that we work with, we don't encourage them to quit their job. They're doing this on the side and they're really exploring this. And the other part is they tend to be uh, the, when you give them the money to go out, it's kind of a short-term test, right? I mean, they. Yeah. They uh, and they're I guess they're writing down what they've learned, what's happened, and then if it works out, they come back, and then there's somebody there that can now with uh, an idea and some data can turn it into a, a business, right? And that's at your shop. Exactly. So what we what we really focus on is to um, teach. Um, and provide resources for our founders to answer some basic questions like, again, um, why are you working on this venture? Uh, do people want it other than you? And does it work? Um, so really our goal is to get you to answer those basic questions with $1,000, $5,000, $10,000 so that later on, once you have, um, have really collected some information and some evidence from real students, real families, real youth to tell you that this venture should exist, you can then answer follow-up questions. Some of the questions that Libby's there to ask, like, should we scale? Um, you know, how do we, uh, what, what is the next region that we should go to? And oftentimes we find that we start with those questions before we ask the more foundational questions. And Libby, maybe it's my own background on this, but I see what you're doing and I keep thinking this software, if it was tweaked and your background, you could use it for other industries. Do you ever think of that? All the time. All the time. It's uh, a big part of our conversations lately, um, thinking about where our product roadmap is going. Um, other industries is is high on the list of things to explore. And thanks to 4.0 Schools and Hassan, you know, I did a, a weekend there where I learned the process of ideation. I'm not a master of it like Hassan, but it's given me the skill set to be able to ask those questions and think of these big questions of do we go into healthcare, do we go into construction, as let's take the smallest bet we can make, let's get an MVP out there, and if we spend a thousand to five thousand dollars exploring it, that's money well spent, versus spending years to create something that we think is perfect and get out in the market and we actually don't know what we're doing. So um, we are not moving into other industries yet, but it is something we're exploring, and if we do go in that direction, we'll be using what we learned at 4.0 schools. Education is one of those words we throw around, whether we're talking about business, politics, art, even sports. We all assume that when we say education, we're talking about the same thing, but like so many other things, education is a lot more complex when you start to learn something about it. Libby and Hassan, you're both working in areas of education that most of us know little or nothing about, and yet what you're doing lies at the heart of education itself. We've been keeping up with Whetstone and 4.0 schools for the past eight plus years. We look forward to following your continued success and hearing about it on future shows. Thank you both for joining me today and Out to Lunch. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Libby Fisher, CEO of Whetstone, and Hassan Hassan, CEO of 4.0 Schools. You can find out more about Whetstone and 4.0 Schools by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify, and you can find all of our podcasts at itsneworleans.com. 
If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com, It's New Orleans Facebook page, and on Instagram. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast, and by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. 